okay. Um, so I'm super, super glad to be here with you uh, today. Wasn't here last week, but Richard Smith, Richard Smith from the Movement Church was, was with you. And in fact, their whole congregation was with you, which I, all I hear was how amazing and awesome that was. I know that um, he uh, texted me right away. I actually, so I was in a different time zone. So at 4 a.m., I was on Facebook, like, is everything okay? Is everything? And then I was watching and I was like, oh, you guys got this? Like, you're fine. And then I logged off and went back to bed. But uh, everything Richard told me, he said, your congregation is the most hospitable congregation. Like everyone was welcomed so much. And, and it was really cool to see that partnership flourish in that way. Many of you um, are unaware, but we're a part of a collective of churches in the DMV area uh, that sort of share resources in order to promote kingdom impact in the places that we're at. And so most of the churches are small like ours, but there's one larger church that sort of leads the, the collective of churches, um, and it creates an opportunity for us to make really specific decisions about how to do ministry in a local context without having to um, sort of worry about some of those larger infrastructure pieces because the larger church sort of carries those for us. So the accounting is done by that larger church. The tax ID stuff is held by that larger church. If we have legal documents, like things like that, that need to happen, we have the support of this larger church. So Richard Smith and the Movement Church is actually a very similar uh, congregation to ours in that they are a part of that collective and they're sort of like gaining foundational ground um, through this collective, which is just a really, really neat partnership. So I'm so glad that they were able to be here with us. Um, last year, I was able to preach at their congregation. So there's just a really cool thing that sort of goes back and forth between those. Now, the reason I wasn't there was because me and my family um, were in Hawaii, which was like the trip of a lifetime. If you follow me on Instagram, maybe you saw, like I was posting every day, and we're here, and we're doing this, and this is happening. Um, and it was phenomenal. So we went paddle boarding with sea turtles. We saw surfers take on the Bionzi pipeline, Bonzi. The big pipeline, the dangerous one where, like, basically, we were just walking down the beach, and some guy that lives there, a native, he came down, and he was like, um, he goes, he goes, why are you standing here? Don't you see the sand is wet? You're going to die. Like, that's pretty much what he told us, and we were like, oh, I didn't really truly realize how dangerous this was. But yes, like we saw them like surfing in those huge waves. It was crazy. We ate a roasted pig at a luau. We snorkeled with all the fishes. We swam in a waterfall. Like it was really, really great. Every day was filled with one amazing opportunity after the next for our family to just make memories with each other, and it was really, really cool. Um, we actually left on, on New Year's Eve, um, and on the flight, I realized that it was about seven years ago that we took another trip that was just about as big and monumental and grand as this one was. Um, and we took that trip because we had been working at a church in Phoenix, Arizona for about seven years. And after seven years, we moved from Phoenix to here to uh, be a part of this congregation. And on our way here, we took a five-week RV trip up the West Coast and across the country. And it was like this crazy, amazing adventure. At the time, I didn't realize how insane we were because we had our daughters who were six and three. 
And if somebody with a six and a three-year-old would come to me now and say, should we take a cross-country trip? I would say, no. But then I remember, wait, my kids were six and three. Yeah, do it. It'll be great. Like, it'll be phenomenal. They'll sleep in the car. It'll be wonderful. Like, go for it. But we took this cross-country trip um, on our way moving here. And for us, that trip had become the glue that held our family together over the past seven years. Like all the bumps and turbulent times and ups and downs, we would always go back to that trip and share the memories of how great that trip was. So that huge, wonderful trip sort of carried us through the past seven years. And then on the flight to Hawaii, I realized, oh my gosh, we were in ministry for six, point, six years and eight months, and then we took this trip. And we have been here for six years and eight months, and we took this trip. And I was like, how? What? Like a divinely orchestrated thing. And so as we went into that trip, my mindset the whole time, um, I knew I have a hard time like stepping away from my life and stepping away from work. Like I'm always, whenever I go on trips, I'm always like, and also the emails. Okay, I'm back. And also, hey, just do whatever, you know. And, and I was just going to be like, no, I'm not doing any of that. Like, I'm totally stepping away. And this thought process of remembering how significant that trip was seven years ago to carry us through helped me realize how significant this one was. And so I was just able to be, like, totally present in that moment. Um, and I think God delivered these amazing memories and adventures to help us sort of create some glue and some foundational core memories for us as a family so that, like, hopefully will carry us through the next seven years of whatever, whatever may come. So... Really, it was a great trip. Um, if those of you who followed along on Instagram, so glad to share those memories with you. You got to see a piece of that. But it is really good to be home. I missed all of you. I'm super glad to be back. And one of the things that is so strange about coming back right now is I still feel like it is Happy New Year. Like even Charlotte came in this morning. I was like, Happy New Year, Charlotte. And I don't know what she was thinking, but I imagine some people are thinking like, that was, that's over. Like we're done. We're halfway through January, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm still, I just started, like, I just, start, I got back three days ago, like, I'm, I'm just starting the new year, I'm greeting people with all of these different things, so it may be a little bit late, but as a congregation, I wanted us to have an opportunity to start the new year right, to sort of create some time and space for us to be reflective on our spiritual journeys and sort of allow God to speak to us um, individually and personally. And so that's really what we're going to do today. This is going to be a little bit different than what we normally do. Um, I'm going to instead, instead of being like your preacher, I'm going to sort of act like a guide through an opportunity for us to sort of engage in some spiritual reflection and some reset and hopefully have the presence of God sort of speak to us in this room today. So the majority of our time together today is going to be focused on reflecting on four kingdom values that actually um, sort of guide our rule of life as a congregation. Um, they are generosity, hospitality, surrender, and mission. So if you're familiar with our Bell's rule of life, you'll see how those sort of connect together, right? Generosity is all about the way that we act out generosity or practice generosity is through blessing others. The way we practice hospitality is through eating. The way we practice surrender is listening to the Holy Spirit and learning about Christ. And the way we practice mission is by being sent and looking for those opportunities in our everyday life. Um, so we're going to be looking at these kingdom values, and we believe that if we practice these kingdom values, 
we reflect the kingdom in more greater ways. Um, and so people are able to see the kingdom of God in us. And we're also more postured the same way that the person of Christ was postured. So as followers of Jesus, um, we believe that Jesus like embodied these values. Like he was perfect at them. He perfectly lived out hospitality and generosity and surrender and mission. And as followers of Christ, we seek to implement him. We seek to reflect him. We seek to follow him. And so we're going to reflect on these values today and remember how Christ was able to live out these in this beautiful, sweet tension um, and examine how we might take on the same posture of Christ. Um, So as we do this, before we jump in, uh, I have two cautions. Because sometimes uh, reflection uh, and self-examination can get a little dicey. And so I'm going to give you two sort of cautions um, as we go into this. Um, One caution is that sometimes when we engage in this practice, we can immediately go to thinking about all the things we've done and have not done. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I should have done more of that. We're actually not going to be examining so much what we've done or not done or the actions we have or haven't taken so much as we're going to be reflecting on our postures and how we are being, okay? So who we are, not so much what we're doing. Our doing flows out of our being, but if our posture is not right, we can't expect our action to follow from that. So we're really going to be looking at the root of things and looking at what is our posture. Now, goal setting, action lists, to-dos, I love those sorts of things. I love those. And those are really important. And maybe that'll come out of all of this, but we really, really want to start more on reflecting less on what we're doing and the boxes we're checking and more of how we're posturing ourselves with these values. So that's number one. Um, Number two, like cautionary tale, is that self-examination can be a perilous journey. It can be very perilous because sometimes we can fool ourselves into thinking that we're better or worse than we actually are. Pride can make us think that we are more than we are, and shame can make us see ourselves as less than we are. And so the only safe way to engage in this process of self-reflection is actually within the context of a community, for a community to sort of help you read yourself, help you understand what's really going in. And there's two parts of that community. The first part is the, the divine community, right? Doing that alongside of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So allowing God to help you see yourself more clearly because he sees you better than you ever saw yourself. He sees who you really are, and so we invite God in this process to speak to us and do this process with us. And second, the community of people that you walk through your spiritual journey with. Now, today, we're really going to focus on that first part of community, the part where you're going to engage with the personhood of God and have God, that divine community, speak to you, and you speak with them about what that looks like. Um, The second part of your spiritual community that you walk with, I'm going to have, I'm going to leave you to do that some other time outside of this. So perhaps that looks like taking this piece of paper, uh, or some of you have already passed it out. There's a booklet on the white tables. I'll get to that in a second. But taking your reflection and then going to maybe the two or three people that you share more deeply um, with about your spiritual journey and taking it to them and saying, hey, can we, can we look at this together? 
can we look at that? Um, and that hopefully will be something that you'll do after we complete this, uh, maybe sometime this week. Um, so during our time together, we're going to create space to engage with the divine community with God. Um, and again, I hope later you'll have an opportunity to engage with, with your community who knows you well. They may be able to point out like, hey, actually, I think you scored yourself wrong here. <laughs> or, hey, I think you're being too hard on yourself. Um, and, and they may be helpful for that. So the first thing I'm going to invite you to do is there are booklets on each of your tables. If you run out of booklets on your table, steal them from one of the other tables. Um, we never sit evenly throughout this room, and so sometimes uh, the resources are somewhere else, but they say reflect and reset. They look like this, okay? Uh, and then grab a pencil. Hopefully there's pencils there, and again, if there's not enough at your table, you can steal them from somewhere else. All right, so I'll let everybody sort of get settled in. So to start this time of reflection, we're going to begin by reading a psalm, part of a psalm, and, as, and it's written on your piece of paper. And as we read it, I'm going to invite you to circle any words or phrases that stand out to you. And I'm actually going to read it twice so we don't have to hurry through it. So um, you know what? Before I read this, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to be in this place. I know that we already prayed that prayer. We sang the song, but I just want God to be just really present with us in this. So if you'll sit back in your seat, find a comfortable position. And if you'll just take a deep breath with me. Let's take another breath. Father God, we long to reflect you. We long to rest in you. Outside of you, there is only fear and anxiety and shame. And in you, there is life and purpose and meaning. And so we come to this space not to um, receive condemnation. We come to this space to see your face, to see you guide us, to see the love that is abundant to us and the grace that you have for us. We long to follow you, but we recognize that in order to do that, we've got to change our posture. We may have to make some shifts in how we are being in this world. And so, Father God, we ask that you would speak to us through this process. Amen. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Again, just circle any words or phrases that stand out to you. I'm going to read it one more time. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. On the paper in the blank space below, I'm going to invite you to just write your own prayer, inviting the Holy Spirit to accompany you, 
and illuminate your way through this reflective exercise. We're going to move to the next part. Um, the first value we're going to actually evaluate is generosity. And you'll notice that on the bottom of that first page, you'll see that there's sort of this little X and Y axis with blanks next to each line. So if you see, they have them like that. Um, and all of these values have tension points. If you go to one extreme or the other, we're no longer really living in the tension or the balance of this value. And so what we're gonna do with each of these values is kind of talk about the tension points, the extremes of what these look like, recognizing that Jesus is beautifully situated in the center. And that in order for us to reflect Jesus, we have to come to that center place where we're holding these things in tension. And so when Jesus lived out um, these values, he perfectly reflected uh, these tensions. And so we're going to sort of mark the extremes, and then, and then from there you can kind of figure out where it is that you exist on these different X and Y axes um, with the Spirit sort of guiding you. And so free from pride, free from shame, um, you're going to just mark where it is that you are between these. In Christ, you are loved, you are worthy, you are cared for. And so this is merely an opportunity to sort of reflect where you currently are and how God might be working in your life. So for generosity, on the horizontal axis, you're going to mark doormat, and you're going to mark strings attached. And let me just explain what those mean. The first tension point of generosity is about what motivates your generosity. On one end, we think we always must give and give and give and give and give and give, and we turn into a doormat. It leads to resentment, and it leads to anger, and it leads to frustration. And on the other end, the other extreme is giving, expecting with something in return, which can lead to manipulation and expectation, right? So we have these two tensions between these two things. And Christ is right there in the middle. He gave freely, but he also gave in a way where he didn't necessarily say, hey, if you don't follow me, then I won't die for you. He dies first and then gives you the invitation to follow him. And in that, we see Jesus right there in the middle. So what I want you to do is on here, you're going to reflect on it. You're going to think, where am I? Am I more of a doormat or am I more strings attached expecting something in return when I give? And so you just put a little dot where you are on that line. Does that, is that clear? And then on the vertical axis, you're going to write closed off 
and you're going to write needy. And here's what I mean by these. In this tension, this is how you receive generosity. We can be really closed off to others, generosity towards us, that we're never really willing to receive. We're never really willing to admit that we even have needs or own or make known our needs. Or we can be so needy that all we see in life is how other people need to give to us. I don't have anything to give. I, I'm in a place where there's nothing I can give. I just need to receive all of the things. And when we're down here or up there, it limits the reciprocal nature of both giving and receiving that is evident in the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus, what Jesus models is somewhere in the middle where he freely gives and he freely receives. And if we're going to take on that posture of Christ, giving and receiving as, Christ for, as God provides, um, we need to be somewhere in the middle. So just reflect real quick, where are you? Are you more closed off? Nobody can know that I need anything. I will never make my needs known. Or are you more in the category of, I have nothing to give. I need all the things. And so just sort of reflect. And, and again, you, you may not be at the extreme, but you might be somewhere, you know. Sort of just reflect on where you are. Now, as you're engaging with this, um, if you have any thoughts that sort of pop into your head, mark those notes down. Just be like, wow, I, I didn't expect X, Y, or Z. I didn't, didn't think about that before. Mark those thoughts or those reflections down. Okay, good. All right, let's sort of go on to hospitality. We're going to talk about hospitality now. That's the next one on the next page. On that horizontal line, we have earned and taken for granted. Okay, so you can write those in. Hospitality is all about being included. It's about being accepted and belonging and sharing our lives with one another. And sometimes we get into this rut where we believe that in order to give or receive or belong or be included, that we have to earn it from others by presenting in a certain way or proving ourselves or doing certain things, or we make others earn it from us by being a certain type of person. On the other hand, we can also get stuck in this other extreme where we take people and things for granted. We just assume love and welcome without bounds. And so we do things where, theoretically, we do things where we like muddy the carpets with our boots or we put our elbows on their theoretical tables, or we allow others to walk into our lives without setting appropriate boundaries. Okay, you see that tension there? So I just want you to think, are we in a category where we're more creating things where we're making people earn our love and our acceptance, or we feel like we have to earn their love and acceptance? Or are we over here where there's no boundaries in our lives, and we let people walk all over us, or we walk all over other people without a sense of gratitude? Just mark where you're at. Jesus was able to wrap his arms around the marginalized just as they were, but then say to them, go and sin no more. He was right in the middle. And so where are you? And go ahead and mark that. On our vertical axes, we have showy and unknown. This one is about how available we make ourselves to others. On one end, we can be so self-interested and overwhelming that our actions shout, notice me, 
love me, pay attention to me. Or on the other extreme, we can remain unknown and hidden, never willing to sort of let other people know us. We leave the room as quickly as possible. We don't talk to anybody. We don't share about our lives. So where are you in that? Jesus was able to hold this tension by being fully known and loved in God's gracious invitation. And if you have any thoughts or reflections on this one, go ahead and mark those down. All right, the next one is surrender. And on this horizontal, we have codependency and we have independency. Now, listening to the Spirit and being like Christ requires wisdom and balance that only surrender can bring. And sometimes we rely on our own logic to make our own independent choices that seem best for our perspective. There's no room for anyone else's um, wisdom. It's just, no, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I know what's best for me. And on the other extreme, we wait to make any moves in following the Spirit or Christ until God finishes everything, until God wraps it all in a bow. We just kind of wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait for it all to be done. Jesus models for us a balance where he makes decisions with God relationally. He's in the middle. Where are you? Go ahead and mark it. On the vertical axis, we have insecure and we have pride. When we make decisions, we can be close to other people's options if we entertain pride. That we know what's best for us and we know the only way to do something. Meanwhile, insecurity, insecurity determines that we inevitably will make the wrong decision no matter what we do. And what Jesus models is somewhere in the middle where he leans on God's ongoing leadership in such a way that he is surrendered and open. So where are you, more insecure or more prideful? All right, we have another one, the last one, is the value of mission. Now, horizontally, there's power and privilege at one side and powerlessness at the other. When it comes to joining God in his kingdom mission, uh, we can take on a posture of power and privilege believing that we know the right way that everything should be done. We know what's best for all of the people, and we will do things for others without their inclusion, which winds up further marginalizing others' experience. But on the other extreme, we can believe that we're incredibly powerless, that we, there is nothing that we can do, that we don't have the ability to help or serve or be a part of the solution. So 
in your posture, how is it that you view this? How is it that you engage this value? Do you come to it with more power and privilege? I know how to do it. I've got the answers if people would just listen to me. Or powerlessness where there's nothing to be done. Jesus engaged meekness in mission. He had all the power in the world, but he took on the very nature of a servant and giving up his life for all. So we'll go ahead and look at the vertical one now. It's the solo leader, or the solo hero, and at the bottom it's abdicating responsibility. We see that sometimes what can happen in one extreme is this desire to be this very important figure the desire to be the Messiah, to save the people, to be the central figure in the story, making sure that everyone turns out better than you left them and to save the world all on your own. But on the other hand, there's this other extreme where sometimes we can abdicate our responsibility. We can sort of cross our arms and say, this really isn't my problem. I'm not really going to get involved. You all have to do this all on your own. Um, we become cynical and we just stand to the sidelines. And Jesus is the only one that can bear the weight and the responsibility of being the solo hero and the Messiah, but his invitation always invites those who are, uh, that he saves into the process. He never forces anyone. He waits at the door to be opened and received. So where are you in this process? in this posture. Okay, so now that we've kind of marked on those grids all of the different places and reflected what our posture might look like when it comes to those different values, now we're gonna do a little bit of a reflective process. And what's going to happen is I'm just going to give you some time to reflect on what it is that you just marked down on those grids. Um, there are five questions. I think that there's three on that first page and then two on the back. There's five questions there, and those questions are available for you to just use as prompts. I'm going to give you some time and some space. In fact, I'm going to invite James to come up and play um, so we can have some music to um, uh, sort of set the mood for our reflection. But I'm going to give you some time and some space to just engage those questions. Now, this is not a homework assignment where you have to answer every one of those five questions with three to five sentences. We don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. These are just prompts. If you come to a question that's really juicy and really prompting and really good and the Holy Spirit seems to be like speaking to you through that question, there's a bunch coming out, great. Stay with that one. If you're like, I don't even know what this question means. This is a dumb question. Great, skip it. Unless the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, you're dumb. Answer it, right? But generally, if you're like, I don't even know, skip it. That's okay. And if you are like, I hate question prompts. There's some space on the back that's just open-ended, and you can just take some time to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, jot down some thoughts, jot down a prayer, jot down a reflection. I'm going to give you about 10 minutes. Now, for some of you, 10 minutes is going to be like, this, I can't do this. It's okay, draw a picture. You don't have to even use words. Um, just 
take this time. I know that our lives are really busy and the opportunities that we have to just sit and listen to the Holy Spirit may be few. And so I wanted to make sure that we created this space for God to speak to us. So please use these, this time, go through the, use the questions to just allow the Holy Spirit to guide you during this time. And after about 10 minutes, we'll come back together um, and, we'll, and we'll conclude.
I bring you back together, I'm going to read from Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to read it one more time, but this time I'm going to read it from the message paraphrase. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus' invitation to us to take on his posture is not burdening us. It's not this thing that puts more and more and more and more on us in 2023 until we break. Jesus' invitation is to join him in taking this posture that is restful for our souls, that is light for our souls. One of the images that sticks with me about what this looks like came from when my kids were little and watching them play on those death traps that are merry-go-rounds on the playground, right? Those merry-go-rounds that go around and around and around, and there's always some fun parent who pushes it, runs along the side, or an older sibling who just keeps spinning it. And meanwhile, you see kids flying off it everywhere, trying to hold on for dear life. And I feel like sometimes that's what life feels like. It feels like this merry-go-round that we're like holding on to for dear life, trying not to get flung off of, and stuff just keeps spinning faster and faster and faster. We're trying to keep up with all of the obligations and all the responsibilities and all of the things that we're supposed to do. And what I'm reminded of is the kid who stands in the middle of the merry-go-round and just gently circles. And for them, this is not an obstacle. This is not hard. This is not burdensome. They're watching everyone fling around while they're merely standing there. And I believe that this is the posture of Christ that he takes on in every single one of these kingdom values. He stands right in the center, in the tension and in the balance. And his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he says, come to me, stop spinning. Stop spinning, come to me right here in the center. Be with me. This is where life is found. And so that is the invitation that Christ has for all of us. That when we abide in him, when we keep company with him, when we come to him, he's able to give us rest. And that's what we're being invited to do. Now during this next song and this last song that we're gonna sing together, I wanna invite, I'm gonna invite, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna invite the spirit to minister to you. And I'm gonna invite you to sit or stand or kneel or put your hands in the air, whatever it is, whatever posture it is that you feel like communicates 
uh, response to the invitation that Jesus has for you today, I'm going to invite you to take on that posture. And whether that means that you're going to journal some more and capture some more thoughts or, or pray silently or sing with us, whatever that means for you, I'm going to invite you to do that. But I just want you to use this time to allow God to continue to speak to you, to draw you into the center. So will you pray with me? Father God, I'm so grateful that your call to us isn't to do more and be more and accomplish more. Just like the rest of the world's agenda for us, yours is come to me. How very refreshing. Come to me and I will give you rest. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace and I will give you life. So Father God, as we have engaged in this time of reflection, my prayer is that the enemy is bound from it and does not use it as a way to tell us of how we're not good enough or that we need to do more, but instead it becomes this realization to come even closer to you, to allow your image to be imprinted on ours, for us to take the posture that you've modeled for us so we can live in your kingdom, so we can experience life. And so, Father God, as we uh, go through these next few moments, I just, I just sense that there are a lot of people who are um, already tired, who are already weary, who are just feeling the burdens of this world. So I ask that your spirit would minister to all of us, that you would loosen the chains, that you would set us free, that we would be drawn to your presence and keep company with you and in that experience life.